right, so first of all, I just want to say uh, welcome and uh, thank you for everyone that's here. Uh, this is uh, this is going to be a lot of layers that we're going to go through over the uh, uh, semester. Uh, and uh, Sean and I are going to split it up in, in different sessions. Uh, the core scripture that we want to start with is uh, uh, we're going to have participation in this class, so we're going to kick it off. Who wants to read, read this for us? All right. Okay. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast his wife, and, to, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. So, Brian did an amazing job of, of kicking this off for us. Uh, I mean, he, he touched on so many points here, really talking about, obviously, uh, us as the church and Christ as the head. However, obviously, how it ties into uh, marriage and, and uh, the relationship that we have. Uh, one of the things that uh, we wanted to do is just kind of layer it out so that way there's a lot of subjects that we're going to get really in-depth into. So, as we go through this, there might be things that we have to put a pin in and address a little bit deeper later on. Because say we touch on something with regards to like overcoming hurdles or something like that, this might not be the class that we de uh, delve deep into that because we do need to get through the material uh, and we're going to spend a lot more time on that so that way we'll put a pin in it and we'll come back to it. If it's something that uh, we uh, want to do that, I, I say we put a, a note on the board so that way it's top of mind for us. So whenever we get to that class, we can bring it back to the, the forefront of our minds and we can discuss it. Does that sound fair? All right. Um, the course material, pretty obvious. It's going to be broken up into um, different sections. Sean and I are going to do three or four classes and then we're going to switch back and forth between each other. And uh, one of the things that we want to do is we want to be somewhat organic. And what that means is, is if this class, which I plan on it because of all your participation, um, if this class goes into Wednesday night's class, that's okay. And we're going to adjust it as we see fit because this is such an important thing for us to understand and grasp. And we're all coming to this with different levels of understanding. Two people might be single, but they might come to it with different understandings because one had a phenomenal marriage to watch in their home, their mom and dad, and another one might have came from a, a very broken home and they don't really grasp what a, a spiritual marriage would look like. And that's okay. Uh, but we each make our own choices and decide how we're going to enter into our own marriage, right? Uh, whether or not we're going to follow God's design and plan or not. So with that, we want to make sure that we move at the pace of where the class needs us to be. So maybe something is top of mind for you and you got some good information on it, great, share. Maybe it's something that you struggle with, ask the question. So that way we can make sure that we're moving forward in a way in which everybody is getting from it what they need. Uh, some of the things I want to uh, just kind of touch on is there's a lot of things in here that we're going to address, love and respect, uh, that scripture that, that uh, Andy just read. We're going to talk about how to communicate, different things like that. I do want to let you know that we're going to talk about sex, okay? And we got youngsters in here that might not be as advanced mentally as some others in here. So when we do get to that point, let's weigh and measure how we talk and make sure that it is of a way in which their parents would appreciate us presenting the information. 
Does that sound fair? We do have some younger minds in here. However, these younger minds are not far away from four, five, six years from being married. So it's good information for them to have. Okay? So with that, let's just be uh, cognizant of how we present certain things and weigh and measure our comments. Does that sound fair? All right. Let's go into our class culture real quick here. With regards to our class culture, we're going to ask that everybody be present. So what that means is, as many people are here right now, I would love to see the same number on Wednesday nights. Because the course material still goes on, right? We're still going to be getting fed the same information, but just different pieces of it. So we want to get that balanced uh, diet of information. So understand work schedules happen, things like that make it hard for people to be here sometimes on Wednesday nights, but the request is, is if you're here Sunday, be here Wednesday as well, all right? Also, participate. This is not the Jason and Sean show, all right? And I'll, I'll be the first one to raise my hand, just like Brian did. I don't know it all. I make mistakes. I am still working on my marriage. We've been married for 25 years, and I still trip over myself on a regular basis, and I fall short in many ways. So this is not Jason knows or Sean knows. This says, let's go to the scriptures and understand it. Let's glean from people in the room what they've seen and heard, so that way we can grow together. I hope to grow from this class. Uh, stepping into second one, let's do our homework, please. I should say pre-work, really. So you have the book. Please pre-study the next lesson or the lesson that we're in and answer your questions. That will help you be more participative. Participative? That's not a real word, is it? Um, in the class and be able to... Uh, come in with a mind more geared towards the conversation so that way we can actually get deeper Because if this is the first time that you're hearing what we're talking about you're going to come in at a, a level That's not as deep, but if you studied it and We're jumping into the conversation. You're going to come in with some deeper understanding what the scripture says and Maybe have some thoughts that you're like well. I've always wondered about this Okay Let's uh, step down into some scriptures I'd like for us to read. Okay, some Proverbs that I think are valuable for us. And I am sorry, I am, I plan on using my iPad, but my iPad didn't work, so I had to upload it to my laptop real quick, so I need to be able to see what I'm looking at here. So, um, some Proverbs live by, uh, be open and learning. So, can someone please read Proverbs 12, 15 for me? The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man is he who listens to counsel. Okay, so that's God telling us we need to listen and pay attention and learn, right? So one of the things that I put off on the side there, can someone read the small print on the, the right-hand side? Is it too small to see? Self-reflect. So this class is going to be a lot about self-reflection, right? When you, when you go through this class, please make it about self-learning, 90% of it, 10% 10, 10 if you're married about your spouse. Because what happens a lot of times in these classes is it's the elbow. Did you hear that? Did you hear that? Did you hear that? That's not what this is about. This is us striving to self-learn and grow ourselves. And hopefully, other people in the room are doing the same thing, and they're striving to self-learn and grow. So let's make sure that we're striving to self-learn and grow and focus on learning ourselves. Uh, number four, who can read, uh, let's see here, that one for me. Can you, can you guys see that at all? No. I am so sorry. Let me, what's that? 
29.11. Thank you. A fool gives full vent to his spirit, but a wise man quietly holds it back. That's what I mean by iPad. I was planning on using my iPad in the first place, but it didn't look to sync up to the reader. All right. So, Proverbs 29.11. Yes. So, we need to think before we speak. So, let's weigh and measure what we say. This is an environment in which if we are married or we have someone that we love dearly, this is an environment in which we can actually cut them deep on the stake. So if you have something about your spouse that is bugging you, that's a good conversation to have in the privacy of your own home. So if you have something to ask that's on that topic, this is an okay environment to do that. But let's make sure that we think before we speak because things said here can hurt a marriage if it's not something that needs to be invented and the way that you ask it can be done in a way that's hurtful. All right. Uh, speak in kindness. Proverbs 16, 23 and 24. All right. So we'll read that. The heart of the wise instructs his mouth and adds persuasiveness to his lips. Pleasant words are honeycomb, sweet to the soul. Okay, so this is also not an environment for man-hating or women-hating or women always do this. We don't do that. That's not what this is about. We need to speak in kindness and love and be entreating towards each other because this is actually not about this. It's about this, right? Okay, if we all understand that. All right, and then um, understanding. Let's see here. 1 Corinthians 11, 10, and 12. 10 through 12. survive without each other. So it's one of those things that we need to understand that we are all children of God as we go through this class. As you sit next to your spouse, that is a, a daughter of God or a son of God. And we just have different expectations of us. All right? And 1 Peter 3, 6 through 7. <coughs> Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called him her Lord, you are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you in the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. So we are heirs equally, correct? So kind of leads into the previous point, uh, comes from the previous point as well. So Whenever we're in here, we're, we're all trying to get to heaven, and we're all going to receive the same heaven. Are we the same? No. And with respect to maybe uh, requirements of us by God? Not in all respects, no. We are different. 
but do we all have the same thing that we are striving for? Are we all children of God? Will we all get the same reward? Yes. So we need to understand the difference. Yes, we are all striving for the same reward. And yes, God looks at us all as his children and, and, and as his heirs. And Jesus died for us equally. But are we 100% equal while on this earth with regards to what's required of us? In some areas, yes. But in some areas, no. Right? So we need to make sure that we understand that as we go through. And then, uh, let's see here, 1 Corinthians 10.31, a lot of class culture things here, I understand that, we're just trying to get an idea of a mindset that we want to have as we get into the, the information. Therefore, whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, you all to the glory of God. Okay, so that is a very generic, generic scripture. What's the very last part? Uh, the glory of God. Do all... Do all to the glory of God. So we say, hey, when I go to work, I need to work as though I'm working for the Lord and do it to the glory of God. All these other things. How much more should, how much more should our marriage be for the glory of God? God has blessed us with a spouse. God has blessed us with good health and, and the ability to maybe be able to have children and all these different things. Why should not we fashion our marriage to be to the glory of God? So if in all things that we do, one of the most important things that we have in our lives, should it not be designed around glorifying God? So as we go through this, we need to understand that the decisions that we make in our, our marriage need to be around how can our marriage glorify God? This decision that I make individually or this decision that we make as a couple, will it bring glory to God? And... Um, that's, that's important because there's so many decisions that we make and things that we do in our lives, places that we live, jobs that we take, decisions that we make with regards to raising children. If the first thing that we don't look at is how will this glorify God, then we've missed one of the most important questions that we should have asked ourselves. And then Brian nailed this on, on the head. Last but not least, we're called to be uh, servants uh, to each other as well as to uh, um, God. So we need to realize that as we go into our marriage, marriage is all about service. It's about serving God and serving the individual that you married so then that way you and they can go to heaven. That's what it breaks down to. I mean, if the end goal is go to go to heaven, number one, the person that you choose, which we'll talk about, should be someone that helps you get to heaven. And number two, you should help them to get to heaven. And we do that by serving God. All right, so a lot of ground rules, but I, I want us to have a, a mindset of what our, our culture should be in this class and what we should be thinking as we proceed through each of these topics. We need to have this type of mindset and look at the scriptures and these topics with that understanding. All right, anyone have any questions? A little bit lengthy, but fairly straightforward. All right, so... The start of something great. Who's going to read this for us? All right, Christian. When the Lord God said, "It is not good for the man to be alone," I will make him a helper suitable. I will make him a helper suitable for him. Out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the sky 
and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called a living creature, that was his name, Gitsan. The man gave names to all the cattle and to the birds of the sky and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper suitable for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and he slept. Then he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh at that place. The Lord God fashioned into a woman the rib which he had taken from the man. And he brought her to the man, and he said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man, for this is the reason a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Okay. So, what stands out to you? I highlighted some stuff, but there might be some other things. I bolded some stuff. What stands out to you the most in this scripture? Um, yes, sir. For me, it's interesting that even just in the second chapter of the Bible, there's already being, there already are marriage things being brought forth. Um, so it's obviously something important if it's talked about from the very beginning. Absolutely. Absolutely. Anybody else? I was it's the fact that immediately we acknowledge that it's not good for, for someone to be alone, for a man to be alone, right? Absolutely. But then also the structure at the very bottom talking about, I'm sorry, talking about what that family, sorry, I bothered my child, what that family <laughs> unit should, should look like immediately when right. you have um, two people that decide to get married, right? What that should look like when a man and a woman leave their families, they become one, and then building kind of upon that immediately. Um, as a new unit, and kind of what that structure should be. God's view is very clear from the beginning. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Micah. Mm -hmm. marriage, <laughs> marriage is instituted here by God, not uh, a common belief in today's society that's a social construct. So it's a fundamental aspect to take out to people who might disagree with where marriage comes from. Right. Absolutely. Anybody else? Just the thought that like man and woman complete each other. And Brian had a great point about the helper piece. You know, it was not good for man to be alone, right? He was here with all the animals and everything and and what's interesting, he goes through and there's all these things that he did and he's like, You need somebody to complete you. Exactly to your point. I thought you started with I was okay. just, yeah, I was just gonna say you have the very first relationship between God and man, and then immediately he makes a second relationship between man and his wife. That's a great point. And, and your your marriage should be only second to your relationship to God, right? That's a that's a wonderful point. All right. Okay. So you hit the nail right on the head with one of the very first questions. So, God's designed for marriage. God designed marriage for man's good. Genesis 2, 18-24, which we just read. What are the, some of the problems with loneliness? Yes, ma'am? I think there's a lot of them, but one of the, one of the ones that I put down that I, I'm 100% speaking from personal experience on this is oftentimes along with the possibility of depression and kind of feeling alienated and feeling like you don't fit somewhere, it sometimes lends to the 
why me mentality. Why can't I find somebody? Why can't I manage to be in a relationship that works? Why is everybody else around me finding X, Y, Z? Which in turn can sometimes take away from your focus on what you need to be focusing on with spiritual matters. True. And so it just kind of becomes, I'm sorry. I'm inconveniencing her by talking about um, and so it just kind of becomes this constant round and round and round and round. Like, oh, it looks like a carousel you can't quite get off of. So you have all of these different feelings, but then in, in reality, it can actually distract you from what God's trying to get you to understand. Sure. Maybe turn toward Him and lean into Him in that season of loneliness. True. But it, it, at the core of it, there, there's, there's a gap yep. for many people. For some people, there's not. Some people are okay with being single. And... and We'll touch on that towards the end of this lesson, but there's nothing ungodly about not getting married. I mean, we want to make sure that people understand that. There are people that choose to be single. But God has designed in us a desire for a spouse. And whenever that doesn't get fulfilled over time, it can cause you to go into depression or it can cause you to, to have that void get more ever-present in front of your mind. And if you don't get a hold of that... They can pull you further away from God. What else? Well, anytime there's a void, like like you're talking to somebody who's born that you know has that desire and the, the need to have that physical, you know, and emotional. So like there's there's always a relationship between God, but there's still this physical world that we live in. So anytime there's a void, it's going to be filled by something if we have that void. So. You need to fill it with something that's going to push you the right way. You know what I mean? Rule of the, uh, was it the law of empty spaces? Right. If there's a void, you're going to fill it with something. Now, what you what you choose to fill it with is up to you, whether it's godly things or ungodly things, but there's a certain piece of us that is desiring of something. God put that in us, and that's okay. But when we don't get that, we have two choices. To let our carnal side take over, and go an ungodly path, or we really need to dig in and, and lean on God, to your point, to make sure that that doesn't happen, that things pull us further away from God. Anybody else have any? Yes. Um, I think a piece of it as well is a lack of encouragement. Yeah. I think a good marriage leads you to God, and I think when someone's lonely, they can lack that social structure to get them and push them to be closer to God. Sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, helper. Brian hit that right on the head. We're both to be helpers to each other, right? But when you don't have that helper helping you move forward towards God, there's, there's a gap. Anybody else? I have a list of a few that I want to share. Problems with loneliness. You don't have someone to, to consult or have a sounding board. That's important. I'm getting ready to make a big decision. You sound, you, you bounce that off of a spouse many times. Or sometimes you're getting ready to do something and they know you and they echo back to you without you even asking and they keep you from doing something stupid. Thank you, Michelle. Happens on a regular basis. So it, it's one of those things that, that that is a benefit or a problem with loneliness, a benefit of adding someone. Um, you don't have rights to a sexual partner, to your point. That is something that's instilled in us that we have a desire for. Men and women alike. In different ways. But when we don't have a right to a sexual partner, that means that opens up a can of maybe a path of ungodliness. 
whether physically right in your hand like a person right there, on the internet, or just mentally things that you've seen that you can't get out of your mind. So, so having a, a spouse takes that away. Um, it's harder to fight temptation in the world. When you got someone maybe holding you by the collar saying, hey, control your mouth. Or hey, don't do that. Or you shouldn't do that. that that's, that's a problem with loneliness. You might not have that person in your life. Uh, an accountability partner. Kind of touched on that a little bit, but you know, if you struggle with something, having that person that knows your weaknesses, and maybe you guys are going down a path that you see something that would cause you to fall off the wagon, they veer you away from it. That accountability partner is huge. Um, you don't have the option to have kids. That's something that is, is um, a problem with loneliness. Kids are wonderful. Kids are a blessing. Do you have to have them to go to heaven? No. Can they be a headache at sometimes? Yes. Love you all here. But, but it, there's such a blessing, but, but whenever you're lonely or you're not married, you don't have that right. Um, you don't have a spouse to grow old with, or I prefer to say, say stay young with. You know, you have to think about that. You know, it's one of those things that as you get older, you know, things happen and people go their different directions and kids move on and then it's just you and you or it's you and your spouse. Now, eventually it might be just one of you, of course, but, but you don't have someone to, to go through life with. Um, and also, you don't have the ability to serve as a deacon or an elder. Uh, so for men who are wanting to come up in the... The church with regards to like service and things that they want to like do and and if they want to serve as an elder or a deacon um you can't do that without a spouse you can't do that without children uh that once again is it a requirement is it something that is necessary to go to heaven of course not it's just another avenue of service but it is something that through loneliness not having a spouse that you can't do let's let's look at the other side of it the benefits of companionship. A lot of these are going to be reversed, obviously, but what are the benefits of companionship? Um, I put, like, the opportunity to have somebody who, like, truly knows you. Yes. Like, there's not anything that you can't share with them. You know them, they know you, like, in every way possible. That's just very different from any other relationship you would ever have. Right. It's not the Instagram world or the Facebook world where everything in the corner of the kitchen looks perfect, okay? It's not that vain, superficial relationship that you have with everyone else. It's the, you know my warts. <laughs> and I know I could come talk to you. And I know yours. And, and we know everything about each other. Spot on. Absolutely. That's a blessing. Yes. Uh, growth, both spiritually and non-spiritually. Because you have two people that. coming from maybe different worlds. Yep. And they each have a different view or something. Mm -hmm. So they can help each other out. Absolutely. And that's important. Because, you know, if you go into anything just with one mindset, you're, it's harder for you to grow whenever you don't take into account other people's worlds and, and see things from their view. Obviously, everything needs to be aligning with what God says. But, you know, someone who has been maybe raised in the church and someone who has not been have two very different views, right? And that's a beautiful thing. You can help make each other stronger. Very much so. so I saw one you yeah, um, You have the ability for someone to lean on you, and you have the ability to help support them. Ooh. Instead of just like making it more, I should basically lean on them, but you have the ability to help lift someone up also. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. So at the end of the day, it's just been a rough day, and you go home, and it's you and the cat. 
<laughs> or it's you and someone that you can talk to if you want to talk. And we'll talk about it a little bit later on. Some people are talk talkers and some people aren't. That's very much our relationship. I know everything about the teachers that Michelle works with. I'm, we'll talk about waffles and spaghetti later. I'm a waffle guy. I'm like, I walk out of work, I'm like, door shut. It's, it's at work. But that's okay. We're different. But it's good when I, need, when I need to talk about something, I can talk to Michelle. I know that. When she needs to talk about something, she can talk to me. And also, it doesn't have to be about serious things. Just communication. And when she was teaching little, she's like, man, I just need to talk to an adult. I'm like, well, I can't help you there. <laughs> I can listen. So it, it, it's important just to, be, to have someone that, not necessarily trying to solve the problems, but encourage, be empathetic, and, 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 and be there for What else? Benefits of companionship. Just to add on what Tanner said, having, like, that other person is someone you strive to be better for. Sometimes, at least personally, I have a hard time motivating myself. Right. But then when I look at Austin or even kids especially, you're like, you want to be better for them. Right. And so it's just that extra motivation. Sure. No, absolutely. Absolutely. I, you know, one of the things I tell my kids is, is hey, and this is when they were a little bit younger. I don't want to worry about it now, but you, you wear my name. The decisions that you make reflect on my name. Very much more so for husband and wife. What I do reflects on Michelle. What she does reflects on me. And it's one of those things that it's important for us to realize that, you know, I need to, I need to do right, not only by myself and God, but I need to do right by Michelle in the way that I live my life. Absolutely. Yes, sir. There is nothing that I've done that's so mature in that you realize that, like you just said, every decision you make isn't just your decision Right. It's true. And that's tough. It's tough to transition from, I make all my own decisions, I don't have to consult with anyone, and, and all of a sudden it's like, huh, okay, well, this is, this is us as one now. And that, that's tough. And there's things that, you know, as things go, people make decisions that are like, hey, you're going to take care of this part of the business and, and I'll take care of the part of the, this part of the business because there's business and marriage that we don't need to consult things, every little thing on. Hopefully you get to that point where you trust each other enough for that stuff. But you're exactly right. Those decisions that you make have a direct impact on your spouse. So if, if you got a, a, a problem with your mouth, if you got a problem with spending, if you got a problem with wandering eyes, if you got a problem with X, Y, Z, whatever it is, you know, it has a negative impact. So what it does is, it makes you want to be better for your spouse, right? It makes you want to do right by them because you commit, you're committed to them. Anybody else? Yes, sir. Uh, the feeling of importance and purpose. Not that you can't get that if you're single. Everyone finds it in different ways, but right. once you have it, you realize it, and you just can't go back on it. Absolutely. And you know what's funny is, is you don't have to be married to understand your importance. I, but I agree with you 100%. I did not understand... Oh my! That was funny. <laughs> I, did, I did not understand love until I was married. In my mind, like what it truly meant to love a woman, I didn't understand another whole dynamic of love until I had children. It, it, it's it's interesting how as you proceed, your mind just opens up to 
the, the expanse of things and the importance of things. And, and you understand your importance in serving God whenever you get married and how I need to help her get to heaven and she needs to help me get to heaven. And that opens up with, with marriage because you didn't have that responsibility before. But once you do, you're like, whoa. And then you get kids. And you're like, whoa, what a responsibility. And then they get old enough where they start making decisions. You're like, whoa, I really need to, I, I really need to make sure that I'm guiding them. And it just, each step of it, you just, it opens up the importance of your role in all those relationships. And if one or the other is not 100% in, like he mentioned earlier, then, man, there's a gap. All right, fantastic. Let's go on to the next question. Uh, first, let's read Matthew 9 through 36, or 9, 3 through 6. Matthew 19, excuse me. Matthew 19, 3 through 6. And Pharisees came, is it three through six? The Pharisees came up to him and testing him by asking, Is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? He answered, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female, and said, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh, so they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. Okay, so God's design for marriage is for what? It's for life. Is that, is that not very clear right there? You are to become one flesh, and it says, let not man separate what God put together. It doesn't get any clearer than that. We try to convolute it with all these other things. She burnt the biscuits. He's not nice to me. Does any of that matter? Maybe you fell out of love with each other. Shame on you. You should have done something beforehand. Fix the problem. Don't run to divorce. Divorce shouldn't have even been an option before you got married. Long before you ever decide to get married, you need to just make a commitment. No matter who the person is, God hates divorce. I'm going to be committed to whoever I marry until death. That needs to be in your mind right now in the high school class all the way through. No matter how much we butt heads, God hates divorce. God designed us to become one. God said it. it's for life. If you don't have that mentality going into marriage, or you don't believe that, don't do that to the person that you're going to marry. You need to have that mindset before you go into marriage. Yes, um, that was something before I even started going here that Austin had brought up, and it was something before we got married that was always the thing. Right. Divorce isn't an option. And when my brother got married, he wrote letters to him or whatever. And in it, I just explained, like, that is something that having that mentality not only is helpful in not getting divorced, but also just in the way that you talk to each other. Like, right. when you are disagreeing, you're not saying things to hurt the other person. You're trying to work on solving the problem. And right. so it stops you from doing or saying things right. in the heat of the moment. Um, and 
it's something like I'm so grateful that Austin just it was kind of like an offhanded comment that he made one day and I'm like that's still to this day yeah. there's so many times where I'm like I'm so mad at you <laughs> I want to say this or I want to do this and then I'm like no like that's only that's not going to help the problem that's just right. intended to hurt and so it makes you take a step back reflect on yourself and be like it's not who you want to be sure it's not going to help anything in the long run absolutely and here's the deal when you're going through life if when you come to an impasse and you're just like I have nowhere to go and then you come up against divorce is not an option you will find another path. You'll sit back and go, okay, what do I need to do? Chances are, you need to get right with God, and they need to get right with God. Because if it got to that point in your marriage, God was not the focus of your marriage. Right? So at the core, we need to understand divorce is not an option. Now, a little caveat here. We're going to talk about divorce later on. Yes, there is adultery. But at the first thing of adultery, we don't just throw it like, ha ha! Later, sucker. That's not godly. Did we just not uh, uh, hear scriptures about marrying the harlot and taking them back? So true love will see through stuff like that. But as we go through, we need to know at our core, before we even think about getting married, divorce is not an option. Just get that in your mind. Have that mentality in your life. You are committed and you will make that commitment to your dying day. Okay? So that's kind of a, a hard one to end on. But that bell came awful fast. However, we'll pick up and we'll uh, uh, get into God's design for purity uh, starting on Wednesday. And we'll finish up one and then we'll jump into two. Thank you, thank you, thank you.